Hey everyone, we're back again uh, for another episode of Origin Sample Remix, uh, where we're talking about the origin of some great songs um, that were sampled in hip hop or remade or covered and talking about how they gave birth to more great songs. Here, uh, my name's Holden Slathery. I'm here with Mark Ingram. How you doing, Mark? Doing well, Holden. Uh, I love music, you know, I'm a music nerd, so I'm, I'm very excited again to be back here doing another episode of Origin Sample Remix with you. Yeah, can't wait to get started. All right, so um, the first uh, song I'm gonna be talking about um, is by Nina Simone, uh, Sinner Man. Uh, and then I'm gonna go into uh, Get By by Talib Kweli and then the Get By Remix. Um, so Nina Simone um, started in the 60s. Uh, she had a musical style that really fused gospel and pop with classical music. Um, so uh, she started out um, performing in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Uh, eventually she ended up becoming an expat living in several different countries uh, where she originally left uh, to escape tax evasion charges um, for taxes she didn't pay as a way of protesting the Vietnam War. Uh, so she was very much an activist. Um, some of her, her first hit was um, I Loves You Porgy. Uh, and then she was also known for I Put a Spell on You. Um, and this song, Sinner Man, uh, which was her unique version of an African-American spiritual song, uh, talks about a sinner hiding from divine justice on Judgment Day. Um, so she did this extended 10 minute version of the song in 1965. Um, it was a jazz epic that she would close concerts with typically. Um, and in the lyrics in Sinner Man, she talks about running to the rock, to the ocean, uh, looking for somewhere to hide on Judgment Day. Um, so, you know, the rock doesn't want to let the person hide, the river is bleeding and boiling, the ocean is boiling. Um, so all of nature's elements are working together uh, to create an inhospitable climate uh, and not let this sinner hide. Um, these are all biblical references, um, just the images like uh, blood and, and um, blood and water and rocks uh, are all images um, you'll find in some biblical stories. Um, so I know uh, this version of the song has been in a ton of movies and TV shows. Uh, they're not ones that I've seen, uh, but if you listen to this song on YouTube, you're going to see the comments are full of people saying they saw, uh, they heard the song in X, Y, X or Y movie or show. Um, so, uh, and that's what brought them here. So I think that's uh, because it's so intense. Uh, I'm guessing there's a certain type of scene, maybe where someone's committing a crime or catching a criminal, just doing something with really high stakes, uh, which is when you might hear this song. Uh, it's a really soulful song uh, with some very, nice, fast piano. Um, you know, about five minutes in, you get into this piano and clapping uh, portion, which really sounds amazing. Uh, and then eight minutes and 40 seconds in, you get this amazing vocals, um, you know, which is actually the intro uh, to the next song that I'll be talking about, Get By. Um, but that's uh, Sinner Man. Uh, what did you think of this one? Yeah, yeah, this is a song. I enjoyed this song. This is a song that I've heard before. Uh, I'm a big Nina Simone fan. Um, you definitely feel the gospel elements to this song. Um, you know, 
I did look at the lyrics and, you know, you talked a lot about the religious imagery. Uh, the ocean or the rivers of blood was a very powerful image for me. What I kind of wondered about this song, uh, the crux of it for me was, you know, this is depicting Judgment Day. Uh, the center man or center person, you know, is, is sort of facing the reality that they didn't live a life of God. So uh, there's a question or ambiguity at the end as to whether or not that after this person is told to go to the devil, you know, if they're able to repent in some way and, and make it up to the afterlife. Um, now, that just, that just created that question for me as I was listening to it. Uh, and, and I've heard other people talk about this song and say that maybe it's uh, go to the devil, that, that reference to go to the devil is more generally speaking about like facing your demons in life, which is something obviously we all have to do. So it is a little bit of an open-ended song, but definitely has that spiritual gospel feel to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like, uh, like hearing those thoughts about it. Uh, I also really enjoyed this, but I didn't uh, know it until kind of diving, diving into this. But one song I definitely knew is uh, Get By by, by Talib Kweli. Um, so that song came out in 2003, uh, which is the year that Nina Simone died. Um, so I'm sure it's a, it's a tribute to her. Um, the song was produced by Kanye West uh, back when he was still only known as a producer. Um, you know, Kanye definitely had a pension in his early days for sampling soul music. Uh, and he took a lot from Sinnerman here, including you know, the vocals at the beginning, uh, which really start the song with a ton of energy. Um, this uh, was, the, I think, Talib Kweli's biggest single. Uh, it's off his solo debut, Quality. Um, I think more than anything, it's the beat and instrumentals that make the song great. Um, it didn't sound like any other hip hop song from that era uh, or maybe from, from any era. Um, and for me, it's one of my favorite Kanye produced beats. Um, and while he, he did take a lot from the Nina Simone song, it sounds like he really did something different with the piano because I don't really recognize any point in her song where she plays the piano keys the way they sound on, on Get By. Um, so this is the third single off of that um, debut album. And I read recently how it almost didn't even come out as a single. Um, so first two singles off that album were uh, Put It In The Air, uh, which is a pretty decent song. It's produced by DJ Quick. Uh, so it had more of a West Coast rap vibe that I don't think totally worked um, for Talib Kweli. And then uh, Waiting For The DJ featuring Bilal, uh, which I really liked. And I remember seeing the music video on MTV or BET, um, but I guess it didn't catch on that much um, because when Talib Kweli wanted to release Get By as a third single, uh, the record company, Raucous Records, didn't want to release it uh, because the first two singles hadn't done, done that well. Uh, and they didn't think Get By was a viable single. Um, and, um, you know, maybe... Um, you know, at the time, this style just wasn't that popular, but I, I think the record executives just missed the greatness of this beat. Um, and so Talib Kweli and his crew sent it to popular DJs uh, in the radio station in New York, and they started giving it airplay, and then the label released it. Uh, it ended up making it to 77 on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, so it was pretty big, and I definitely listened to it a lot, but it wasn't huge. Um, and... At this time in rap, um, there were several rappers who were borderline mainstream, 
who are doing some really soulful, introspective, conscious rap. Um, Taleb Kweli, Mostaf, Common, The Roots. Um, but I don't think it was until Kanye came onto the scene as a rapper in 2004 that he kind of melded that style with more mainstream rap and just made it a little bit more commercially successful. Uh, but for sure, I think Kanye was building on something more than he was creating something new. Um, so um, getting into the song, um, Get By, the title pays homage to the Beatles uh, and their Get By with a little help from my friends. Um, it's a song that talks about struggle and resilience uh, where he empathizes with people um, who have made mistakes or had to do things, maybe illegal activities uh, just to get by. But it has a hopeful message that you can wake up in the morning, uh, move past some of the bad habits, maybe adopt a cleaner lifestyle. Um, so I think it's good, you know, for this time of year, January, where people are doing their New Year's resolutions. And a lot of people are trying to stop smoking or drinking so much or whatever their vice is. Um, and he says near the end, um, they need something to rely on. We get high on all types of drugs when all you really need is love. Um, to get by, just to get by, just to get by. Our parents sing like John Lennon. Imagine all the people watch. We rock like Paul McCartney from now until the last Beatle drop. Um, and on the Genius website, their annotations uh, call out a triple entendre at the end, uh, as he says, until the last beat will drop. Um, so George Harrison also died around this time. So maybe he's saying they're going to keep rocking until Paul and Ringo die, the last Beatle, whoever it will be. But it could also be a Beatle or, or a Roach. Um, you know, when are those going to die? They are resilient as hell. So that would be a really long time. Uh, or just the beat, you know, the last music uh, will drop. So I never would have thought, you know, in the three meanings of that, but um, that's pretty, pretty cool. Um, and so, um, yeah, what did you think of this one, Mark? I really enjoyed this song. Uh, this is not a song I'd heard a lot before. Uh, I'm not a, a, a huge Talib Kweli fan. Uh, I do like Black Star, but, uh, you know, I will say one thing is, is we're going to be talking a little bit about some different Kanye songs on this podcast. So I think it's interesting that, that he created the beat for this song. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit about Kanye's impact on one of my songs. Uh, but lyrically is what drew me to this song more so than the beat itself. The beat is, is good in my opinion, but it doesn't have anything that really grabs me. But I did like a lot of the imagery the, that he included in this song. I do think it's an overall positive song, but there is a, a very bleak undertone to it in the sense that you know, there's all these things that are influencing the kids in his community uh, that, are, that are not necessarily positive influences. And he even calls out hip hop in that culture a little bit with some of the, the references in this song, which I think is, is interesting and not something you hear a lot. Um, you know, he's got some great rhymes here. Uh, I just, I, I loved it when he said, a TV got us reaching for stars, not the ones between Venus and Mars, the ones that be reading for parts. Some people get breast enhancements and penis enlargers, Saturday sinners, Sunday morning at the feet of the father. Just the fact that he rhymed penis enlarger with feet of the father, I thought was really... It's a great image and it has a serious image, but it also made me laugh a little bit. Um, and it's, this song is just full of these multi-syllabic rhymes. So I really mm -hmm. did uh, enjoy this song. So maybe it'll help me kind of get more into his music a little bit. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think um, for me, uh, although I do really like that song and Talib's rapping, it got overshadowed a bit uh, by the remix, um, just for me, which I'll talk about now. Um, and it's, you know, either my favorite or second favorite remix of all time. I've seen at least one list uh, where they marked it as the best remix of all time. Um, and so, um, you know, the remix, it doesn't just add one rapper the way a lot of remixes do. It adds four rappers. And who are they? They're legends. It's most Def, Jay-Z, Kanye, and Busta Rhymes. So they all have amazing verses, uh, but for me, Jay-Z's is the best. Um, listen to this many times in the car with my friends as a teenager. Um, it's a, you know, of course, Kanye produced the beat. Um, and like I said before, I think the beat is so great. It was probably easy to get, you know, these rappers to want to be on it. Um, but, um, you know, I just, um, some of the lyrics, I mean, for, uh, as far as Jay-Z, um, he talks about the choice between selling drugs and becoming a rapper, that there was no in-between for him. So, um, you know, he says, then I woke up thinking either I load up these nines or blow up with rhymes. Uh, and then shortly after he says, I'm a poster for what happened seeing your moms doing five hours, five dollars worth of work just to get a dime. So pardon my disposition. Why should I listen to a system that never listened to me? Picture me working McDonald's. I'd rather pull a Mac on you. Sorry, Miss Jackson, but I'm packing. Um, so, um, yeah, just I don't know. I just love his rhymes there and um, the imagery and that you know, the, the high stakes of like what it meant to him that he was either, he wasn't going to do, you know, a McDonald's job. He was going to keep, you know, doing um, the drug dealing or he, you know, that he did or make it in rap. Um, and um, some of Kanye's lines too. Um, so he says, um, don't, don't let nobody with the power of the sign, like a record label, ever tell you you ain't got the power of the rhyme. They used to tell me, toughen up, put some bass in your voice. They used to tell me, lighten up, put some mace in your voice, like Mace the rapper who had a higher voice. So, you know, he's um, he's talking about, you know, the record labels, the industry, you know, how they are looking for a certain type of, of uh, person for rap that he didn't, uh, you know, fit the bill of. Um, and then he goes on to say, I have a feeling this album that I'm going to make a killing or not a shilling. This is love it or hate it music. Um, so he's just getting ready to re release his solo debut at the time. And he's saying it's either going to do great or it's not going to do anything because this is, you know, kind of music you either love it or hate it. Um, so I love that, you know, it takes you back to this moment, like when he was so confident that he was going to be big and then he was. Um, Talib, he keeps his verse really short on the remix, kind of gives the other guys a chance. Um, but he has this line, he says, uh, um, even Jesus was stoned before receiving the throne. I send the rest in peace to Nina Simone. Um, and, um, you know, that Jesus was stoned, uh, you know, with the metaphors, I'm not sure if he's talking about, you know, getting stoned on weed or, or having stones thrown at him. <laughs> um, but, um, oh, yeah, true. Yeah. Um, but, um, and then Busta Rhymes just closes this song out with some great energy. Um, he says, um, 
you know, when I stressed, I possess the side of my strength that make me angry and bleed with a frustration, frustration, having me uh, smoke in Newports and weed. And then he says, we were, we were talking about, um, sorry, uh, on the last podcast, we were talking about the five percenters and Busta Rhymes. He says here, if you was 5% instead of acting stupid and guessing, you had go and study your lessons and know your math in the building in session. So definitely uh, shows that he's driven by his, you know, religion as a five percenter as a way to like stay on the right track. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the five percenters, it's, it's quite astounding uh, the influence that religion has had on hip hop and all these different artists. It makes so many appearances in all these songs for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, quickly on, on, on this song as a whole, uh, I feel like, you know, the remix thing can be hit or miss. You get all these different hip hop artists who are iconic and sometimes they don't always bring their A game in, in these songs that they, they do little verses on and you're trying to cram all these rappers onto one song, it can be a challenge. I think this is one that does pull it off well. Um, so, you know, I'm gonna contrast that a little bit when I get to my remix, but uh, this is definitely a remix that I think holds up and where it is great to see all these rappers really try to bring their their the top notch skills that they all possess to this to this song. Yeah, definitely. All right, so I'm uh, I'm excited to hear about these songs uh, you're talking about today. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, I'll get into my original here. Uh, for that, I chose the Clashes Straight to Hell. Uh, this was off the album Combat Rock. It came out in 1982. This was an A-side single with the song Should I Stay or Should I Go, which uh, was very popular. Um, Straight to Hell, I had not heard until recently. Um, And when I get into my uh, my sample, I'll talk about the uh, MIA's version, Paper Planes. Uh, But I actually heard her version first. I went back and listened to the song, and it was amazing that it had come out so long ago. Uh, This song was recorded quickly. It was recorded in like one day in 1982 as they were getting ready to go on tour. Uh, it's a bossa nova style song. Um, now it has a lot of imagery here. Uh, this song is basically about immigration and it is from the perspective of a person who is anti-immigration, but it's meant to be satirical, uh, and kind of call out those people who look harshly upon immigrants and refugees. Uh, so the first verse um, talks about, uh, mentions these factories and these steel, mill, steel mills in Northern England. That during the 70s, it was a bleak economic period over there. A lot of immigrants came to that area looking for jobs and then found that you know, the economic prospects were not good. Uh, and they also dealt with a lot of xenophobic people in, in England who did not respond positively to their arrival. Uh, so it mentions that. Uh, The second verse uh, goes back even further and it talks about Vietnam and it talks about specifically about children that were fathered by American soldiers with Vietnamese women uh, and then these American soldiers leave the country and they leave their their children that they conceived over there Uh, and it presents the the image of a child uh, with a picture of his parents and he's out on the street uh, trying to find his, his, his parents and he can't do it. Um, so it's just a, a heartbreaking image of, of what was a reality for a lot of children in Vietnam following the Vietnam War. Um, so it's definitely a song that 
is, is, is primarily about immigration and, and adopts an overall satirical view towards the people who are anti-immigration. I don't know, what do you think about it, Holden? Um, I need to go back and listen to this one again. Um, I liked it, but it's been a little while. So uh, I'm gonna have to come back to that one. Sure, sure. Uh, I'll say one thing also, uh, you know, when I first heard this song, I thought it was kind of racist. And I thought well, this, this is, they're singing kind of an anti-immigration song. And I had to dig a little bit deeper, but one of the members of the band, Joe Strummer, uh, you know, I did some research on him and he was a member of the Anti-Nazi League and uh, an organization called Rock Against Racism that criticized racist viewpoints. Uh, his brother was a member of like a far right group and his brother ultimately committed suicide. So I think this, this particular issue of, of sort of uh, far right politics was definitely on the minds uh, of a lot of Clash members and, and it kind of reflected in a lot of their songs. Yeah, well, I love that they, um, you know, had that message and, and, and addressed the, this really important issue of, of immigration and, and racism. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I'll go into my next one here, MIA's Paper Planes. This is also a song that uh, is a little bit about immigration. Uh, this was an extremely popular song. It came out in 2007. Uh, um, MIA, uh, this is where it kind of gets interesting. Uh, she uh, is from Sri Lanka and her family, she has some connections with a group called the Tamir Group. And I'm not an expert on it, but um, she spoke out against the government of Sri Lanka uh, because they were doing things to that group. And that group was sort of uh, making some political movements in, that, in the country of Sri Lanka. And it was a huge conflict. Uh, and she had a really hard time obtaining a visa to come to America to record her music. And it was thought that she was being denied a visa because of her uh, affiliations with this Tamir group. Um, so that made it uh, complicated as far as her getting over here. She um, had wanted to record this song with Timbaland, um, but that was not able to happen because of the immigration concerns. Um, ultimately, she did come over here uh, and make this song. Uh, there was a lot of controversy around certain elements of the song. Um, for one thing, the chorus included gunshots. Uh, and when that song was played uh, on MTV, they censored it. They took out the gunshots. There's a reference to uh, smoking weed that was removed. Uh, and MIA came out on her, her MySpace page, which, um, you know, I just think that's kind of a very funny uh, moment that sort of places it in a certain point in time, but she, she spoke out against this censorship on her MySpace page. Um, a couple of things about this song. Uh, it was recorded in Bed-Stuy. The music video was recorded in Bed-Stuy. MIA offered a lot of different explanations for why she included the gunshot noises. The gunshot noises, she said at one point, were a reflection of the hardships that a lot of immigrants have to deal with in their, their home countries before moving over here. Uh, she also mentioned it also was reflective of her experiences living in Bed-Stuy uh, at the time. Uh, she also mentions that the reason for the gunshots is implying that Americans have a sort of cynical view of immigrants. And the chorus goes is all I wanna do is, you know, bang, 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 take your money. Like that's implying that all, all only Americans think that these immigrants are here to rob them when that's not actually the case. So it's sort of a satirical type of chorus in the same way that the Clash version 
uh, was definitely a satirical song as well. Uh, the last thing I'll say about this song, um, she performed it uh, at the Grammys. This is actually, excuse me, uh, well, I'll, I'll mention this anyway, but she performed the remix of this song at the Grammys and she was nine months pregnant at the time. Uh, and even at the Grammys, they censored the gunshot sounds as well as, as the references uh, smoking weed. So it's a great beat, great beat for a song. Uh, I think that's what sort of imprinted itself on the time period and sort of makes it relevant today as well as the, the, the overall discussion about, about immigration as well. Yeah. And that's, I love that explanation to show the, the sarcasm. Cause I think a lot of people didn't get that, including me, like, you know, because, you know, it, it's, it's kind of, you know, in hip hop, you're used to hearing some of the time where it's, you know, they're not being sarcastic when they're talking about some of those things, but here that she's got that, you know, that sarcasm on the, you know, anti-immigrant sentiment. Um, so, yeah, I remember and there being like a dance and people doing it. I remember hearing this in college, um, but then it kind of came back for me um, around the time Slumdog Millionaire came out, I think 2008, um, because it was just a great placement of a song in a movie. There's a scene where there are the two um, boys in India are on a train and they're kind of sneaking on a train and stealing things from people to get by um, and the song is playing. So that brought it back for me, as well as the fact that around this time was, you know, the, the next song I think you're going to talk about, um, you know, around that 2008, 2009 period. Right. Yeah. So uh, that'll take me into uh, my remix here. So this song was remixed. This is uh, a Kanye produced beat. Um, Kanye really had wanted to work with MIA for a while uh, prior to actually making this song. Um, now, this song is kind of uh, received mixed reviews, I will say. This song is a T.I. song with the Kanye produced beat. Uh, then it features Lil Wayne. It features um, Jay-Z and I'm forgetting one here um, and Kanye. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of the criticism around this song was saying that T.I. had a great performance on this song. He came with it but that some of the other rappers didn't really bring their A-game to this particular remix. There was some criticism of the use of auto-tune, which I know was, was sort of becoming very prevalent at that time period. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, this song did perform extremely well. Uh, it did win a Grammy for best uh, rap song, like group rap song. Even T.I. Uh, has been quoted as being a little bit disappointed with some of the other rappers' performance on this song. A lot of people have said this song looked great on paper, but in practice, it wasn't quite, didn't quite live up to expectations. And as you may recall, this is a time where I think T.I. Was, was going into jail or maybe coming out of jail, but he had done a, a prison sentence or was involved in some legal troubles at this time. And I know that he was really trying to push uh, his work as an artist as well. Uh, and I think there was some disappointment in his camp with the fact that maybe Jay-Z and, and, and Lil Wayne and, and, and to some extent Kanye too didn't quite bring their, their best overall rapping to this song. Um, but nevertheless, it was extremely possible. It was five on the Billboard Hot 100 uh, and it did win that Grammy. So it's, it's undeniably a successful song, uh, but it ties back in as you know, my final thing here is, is you have remixes where sometimes these, these artists come with, you know, top notch, 
hundred percent. They're, they're hungry. They're, they're bringing their, their, their rap a game. And then other times it, it feels like with some guest appearances that the rappers mail it in. So this might've been one more of the latter, I guess, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I think Jay-Z is pretty good in it, but it's not forever imprinted on my brain. Like the way his verse in the get by remixes, um, then, you know, Kanye and Lil Wayne both use auto-tune. It's funny. It's like you have Jay-Z and T.I. kind of doing traditional rap and then Kanye and Lil Wayne doing their verses with auto-tune. It's kind of a weird inconsistency because uh, both those guys can, like, it's not like they need auto-tune, um, but it's kind of funny. <laughs> no, no, they don't need auto-tune. And with Kanye West, you kind of have to take the good with the bad because he did make the beat to this song and he's the driving force behind so much of this that that you know you kind of have to take it all in one basket Lil Wayne uh you know we could have a discussion about Lil Wayne I probably shouldn't go down that rabbit hole but it did seem like he was using autotune a lot in his songs and maybe still is yeah definitely um but yeah it's a pretty good uh pretty good selection of songs there um you know um yeah I'm I'm you know have a, I have a preference toward the sinner man and the get by, but I do, you know, I do appreciate, especially, um, paper planes. And like I said, I'm going to go back and listen to that clash song again. Um, but love to hear what anyone listening, uh, thinks of those songs. If you're watching on YouTube on looking back now, um, you know, let us know what you think of all these songs or one that speaks to you. So yeah, Mark, uh, thanks for, thanks for joining me on this. My pleasure. I have to do it again sometime. All right. We will for sure. All right. I'll talk to you later, man. Yes, sir. Take care.